0: You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Good morning and welcome to the Business Hour.
1: I'm Ron Camacho, your host. And today the business at hand is the business of having a presence in China. Uh, focused on having a digital presence, but also looking at ways of marketing to the Chinese a very, very significant uh, population. Most people are aware of the magnitude of the market and the growth of the market, and we're going to be talking about that. And to help us with the discussion on how to have a presence and how to market in China are Bill Ramsey. Welcome back to the program, Bill. Ron, thanks for having me. With the China Business Consulting Group, Christina Kohler-Kaluccia of the Kohler Group in Shanghai. Welcome, Christina. Thank you, Ron. And George Gregorian of the, Nan- the Nanjing Marketing Group. Welcome to the program, George. Thanks, Ron. And then joining us also is Dr. Penelope Prime of the J. Mac Robinson College of Business at Georgia State University, the founder and director of the China Research Center. Welcome to the Business Hour, Dr. Prime.
2: Thank you so much.
1: Now, I sort of set things up there by talking about this being a program dedicated to helping companies understand how to have a presence, primarily a digital presence in China and in fact there will be a Uh, seminar uh, that is being conducted today. We're recording this program to be broadcast on Friday, but during the broadcast there will be a seminar conducted on this very topic with more details. So it's actually a simulcast of sorts, and this would represent somewhat of a summary of what folks will hear that are in attendance at that seminar. And I want to start off by talking about the magnitude of the Chinese market uh, in in somewhat greater detail than I alluded to. And Dr. Prime, you help students understand, uh, and also you work um, with American companies to get their arms around both the, again, the magnitude of the market, but also the dynamic growth of the marketplace and the nature of consumerism, which we'll all be talking about as well. But tell us a little bit about when people wonder um, why it is that Americans and American companies should want to have a presence in China. Um, Tell us a little bit about that marketplace.
2: Okay, sure. It's, I mean, as everyone knows, China has grown tremendously in the last several decades, largely because the political leadership opened China up to the global market. And there's a couple of trends happening today. Yes, the the economy is growing with rising incomes. There's no question about that. Um, And by some estimates, by last fall, China's economy actually surpassed the size and total of the U.S. economy in terms of like $13 trillion dollars' worth and purchasing power parity. Uh, so it's, it's tremendous, and it will continue to grow, obviously. Um, the economy's rate of growth has, has slowed some, though, which has people a little bit worried. But if you look deeper into that dynamic, the middle class is continuing to grow. But it's shifting a little bit. It's shifting towards, actually, upper middle class. Uh, consumers where the share of the households that will be upper middle class is growing um, substantially whereas the so-called mass market according to McKinsey is will be lower which means then there's just a lot more income out there um, chasing goods and services and then at the other end we have the luxury market which is very um, dynamic, and, and many people have heard about that, I'm sure. But I think the, the key opportunities is with this growing middle class.
1: Tell us a little bit about how the uh, Chinese Research Center works with American companies.
2: I'm, uh, I'm sorry, Ron, I can't hear you.
1: Can you tell us a little bit about how the uh, Chinese Research Center the China Research Center um, at Georgia State University at the J. Mac Robinson College of Business works with American companies?
2: Uh, sure. The China Research Center brings together a wide variety of expertise contemporary China. So we're trying to keep up with the dynamics of that society in many different ways. And the culture and language and history piece is just as important as what's happening in terms of the income and growth of the economy. So our goal is to take the research that we're doing every day and share that with a larger community, including businesses um, and the general public, to try to keep people abreast of what's happening um, in this fast-changing society.
0: I want to have...
1: um our other guests tell us a little bit about uh, their organizations as well. Christina, would you tell us a little bit about the Kohler Group uh, Shanghai?
3: Sure. The Kohler Group was actually founded by my father in uh, 1979 in Hong Kong, and we expanded into China in 2003 when I actually relocated there uh, to open our first office in China. And since then, so since 12 years now, we've expanded to actually having eight offices in China. Our primary goal is helping foreign companies, so U.S. companies, in entering the China market and helping them understand the market both on a cultural level as well as on a business level. Uh, In the end of the day, if the client has done their business plan and wants to go into the market, we can also help them to incorporate their companies and ultimately then help them with all administration functions, so accounting, tax, and, and payroll.
1: Um, you mentioned planning, and that's going to be something that we get into uh, just a little bit later because it's a common theme um, that came up in some of the discussions we had before the the program. Um George, tell us a little bit about uh, what the Nanjing Marketing Group does and uh, who, your, um, who your market is.
4: Sure. Uh, so Nanjing Marketing Group is a full-service digital marketing agency based in Nanjing, obviously, China. And we do only digital marketing, only in Chinese language, and mostly for Western clients, Western businesses who want to enter Chinese market or they're already in the Chinese market and they need more push uh, in, the, in the digital scene. So our core services, of course, are um, SEO, search engine optimization, pay-per-click advertisement, social media marketing, and things like that. And we're about more than 20 full-time employees, bilingual and multicultural.
1: Bill, tell us uh, about uh, or remind our listeners uh, uh, what it is that the China Business Consulting Organization does.
0: Well, China Business Consulting uh, was formed to really assist small to end mid-sized companies, figure out if doing business in China would make sense for them and then helping them through the due diligence process and implementing uh, a plan. Uh, Last year uh, as a result of doing some work for other clients, we packaged a group of services called China E-Commerce Solutions where we bring together web development, call center support to help companies through all phases of uh, looking at and implementing an e-commerce selling uh, online to Chinese consumers, where all these services were under one roof. One of the the elephants in the room um,
1: that comes up often, I'm sure you hear it all of you um, at least now and then, is that oh China is a communist country, and um, for that reason, uh, doing business. Um, is extremely awkward uh, that that capitalism capitalism is a is a, is a foreign uh, uh, animal to them, and to some extent, uh, there's some truth there. And and uh, each of you um, has probably learned um, about um what effects uh, the government has uh on business and in some cases it's actually accelerated growth um in a positive way but uh tell us a little bit about why it's been your experience that that it's truly turned the corner and in many cases as a very very uh capitalistic society christina do you want to
3: um i'll start it off yeah. um I think what's interesting is we we have 60 employees on staff. And um, I arrived in China in 2003, where I think back then it it was a little bit more of a capitalistic regime. Um, And I'll just explain a little bit what I've seen over the last 12 years, being physically on the ground and speaking to my staff. Did
1: did you mean it was more of a communistic regime? I'm sorry,
3: more more communist than than capitalistic. And and I've seen now that I feel that I've seen the turnover of it being more capitalistic and I think a lot of it stemmed from um, the Beijing Olympic Games um, to the Expo in Shanghai where you know the government did a lot to to fix the country and, and 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 clean up the cities and and what was interesting for me is uh, I tend to go out for lunches with my staff, and I do it on an individual basis, and it's also for me to get to know my staff on a one-to-one, on one-to-one level. And over the years, what I've been fascinated about is they are willing to talk to me now suddenly about politics. What are their opinions on their chiefs' heads of states, and what are their feelings about how the economy is developing? Um But also what I've seen is they're all interested in getting salary increases, being more independent from their families, getting their own apartments. Um and and trying to be wealthier you know it's not just being one within the community it's I want to achieve more I want to enhance my career I want to earn more money I want to have my own apartment I want to travel to Europe I want to travel to the US um, it's becoming also a lot more individualistic uh, in that regard
1: in many respects are just becoming more um, westernized um, much like Europeans and Americans where um, they want to improve their quality of life and, in fact, um, since the time that your your father started the company, there would have been a whole generation of people that have become accustomed to a style of doing business that is very much like American enterprise or european enterprise um, bill what's what 's been your experience? Uh, what do you hear from uh, your clients about uh, what uh, they encounter
0: well first I, I think it was you know interesting that uh, the Communist Party formally Recognized the value of entrepreneurs in, in 2002 and, and really the, the, the value to the economy And so the, 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 the capitalism has been alive and well in China for uh, you know a period of time now. And what it means you know to, to clients is as the economy improves as the wealth factor increases and more and more of the population, uh, is meeting their needs and having disposable income to buy once. Uh And there is a bias in many cases from upper middle class and above that foreign-made goods are, are either better quality or have more features than the things they can find locally there there's just growing opportunities for a variety of, of companies to investigate uh, selling into into China I mentioned George that you know that
1: there are uh, younger Chinese that this is the last generation that you know 20 and 30 year olds uh, have grown up in a totally different China than their parents I mean just almost a different uh, uh country a different culture uh, and you would have experienced some of that from uh, working with uh, younger uh, Chinese because of course being a digital uh, oriented uh, company you, you probably have some young folks on staff yes. and uh, is your uh, perception that they um, see things in the same way that uh, Europeans and Americans do relative to business and I I want you to just gather your thoughts on that because we're going to take a break and we'll be back in just a couple of minutes and let uh, George uh, answer that question. And also, uh, I want Dr. Prime to chime in on this as well. We'll be back with Christina Kohler, George Gregorian, Bill Ramsey, and Dr. Penelope Prime in just a bit.
5: Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key, and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com.
2: Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's Web Radio.
0: You're listening to americaswebradio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio.
1: Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the Business Hour. We're here with Bill Ramsey of the China Business Consulting Group, Christina Kohler-Kaluccia of the Kohler Group in Shanghai, George Gregorian of the Nanjing Marketing Group, and Dr. Penelope Prime with the J. Mac Robinson College of Business at Georgia State University and the founder and director of the China Research Institute. I'm not sure we're going to get all of that title out uh, for the uh, remainder of the program, but... Um, Uh, In in just a moment, Dr. Palm, I want you to uh, add to what George is going to share with us about these younger consumers who in many cases, are m- much like uh, American or European uh, consumers with a totally different mindset related to capitalism and, and not very uh, communist-oriented. But, George, y- you um, mentioned during the break it depends on w- what their education is and it also depends, I would imagine, on the region.
4: Where do they leave? Yes, exactly. Um, yeah. you, if they have... If they have been living in a bigger city and had a chance to live abroad, start abroad, and come back, uh, you see a different mindset, more westernized, and in the business approach as well. But uh, it's not the same if they had had no chance to live abroad, or if they're li- living in a second-tier city or third-tier city. Because uh, Christina was also mentioning about how capitalistic it's becoming China, but. You go away from Shanghai or Beijing, and the scene is changing. I mean, you, we got to think that there is still media control in China, right? And they don't get to see a lot of things from the West. So it's whatever their government is giving them to see. So, like I said, it depends on a lot of factors: education, region they're living, mainly, and the company they're working for. Because for multinational company, uh, there's different scene, and they might uh, get practice and learn training.
1: And, Dr. Prime, uh, tell us what your experience has been and what you hear from your colleagues and your clients uh, relative to that shift uh, away from a more communist-oriented influence on business to a much more uh, free enterprise, uh, capitalistic system.
2: Uh, Well, I think we have to remember that it is the government's goal to increase the marketization of the Chinese economy. So the government policies are actually pushing the society towards a more capitalist, open market environment, and the boundaries of the debate that's allowed have increased along with that. But at the same time, we have to respect the fact that the leadership is does not want to change the political system. And so that sometimes is where difficulties can arise. But in terms of the business environment, Normally, one can, can avoid those kinds of conflicts.
1: I have the distinct impression that uh, you have both companies with goods and services that are marketing to China, uh, those internally and those in foreign countries like, like the U.S., that are influencing the nature of of enterprise, uh, free enterprise, if you will, in in China, but also consumers themselves. The consumer demand and the theme of the uh, ongoing seminar um, is digital marketing. And I would imagine that reaching uh, more businesses and more consumers uh, online has... Had uh, uh, an interplay between consumers um, that are uh, cultivating new tastes, and then products being offered to them that are influencing uh, those tastes um, a- a- as well, so that there's um, a-, a change in the consciousness of the Chinese consumer. Um, a- a- and tell us a little bit about about that uh, because it's it's no longer just uh, Fords and and, and Apple. Uh, hardware that's being sold there there's a, there's a whole range of, of products being sold there, is that not right Dr. Prime?
2: Uh, yes, I think that's absolutely true um, that the internet and in particularly the mobile phone technology has completely changed the consumer options and how people think about buying things and what how they do their research about about what they're interested in and then, of course, what becomes popular as well. So it's uh, the combination of having access that you didn't have access before. And George is, is exactly right that there's a lot of variety in terms of urban and rural and outside the big cities in terms of taste and, and income. But today they have the option of buying products. Through the internet that they simply didn't have before, and for paying with it for it with their mobile technology, usually from their phone. Uh, so, definitely, that is is one of the biggest growing segments. If you can get um, uh, have a platform that works well in that context.
4: Yeah, and I would like to add to Ms. Prime's statement. Like, we serve maybe more than twenty campaigns uh, ongoing right now, and majority of the, of them don't have an office and not even a business registration in China so they're doing everything back from their home
1: Right, and and, and one of the themes of, of this program and, and of the seminar is is having a digital presence, uh, which is what your company helps uh, businesses to, to, to have um, and we Dr. Pine mentioned uh, mobile phones uh you know cellular technology and it, my impression has been that over the last decade there's been a Proliferation of cell phone usage, you know, all over the world. That that we're uh, experiencing uh, villages and remote places of India, China, Brazil, um, where previously uh, they might not even have been using computers, but they're using their cell phones, and now they're using their cell phones uh, uh, for consumerism. Um, How? What's your experience? George in terms of um, designing digitally knowing that um, people are pulling things up uh, on their phone uh and, and buying uh w- with the use of their their cell phones
4: um, right now it's uh every campaign that is designed right now in China uh we urge clients to do everything mobile because it's not anymore laptop and PC world we're talking only about mobile. Conversions are higher on mobile, uh, the ads are performing better on mobile, so right now it's ve- very mobile optimized campaigns that we're doing mainly. And uh, like you said, it people living in remote places don't have access to laptops and cell phones is the only way.
1: And, and for both uh, you, Christina, and George, who have spent the, the most time uh, in China uh, and, and done business both uh, in, in Hong Kong um, uh, and as well as Singapore for uh, your organization, Christina, but on the mainland as well, what are you seeing? Are, are they, are they uh, using the full range of devices that we see here, you know, from uh, conventional uh, cell phones to um, um, iPads and, and the various uh, new uh, uh, pa- uh, digital tablets. Pads, tablets of all sizes? Is, is it the same in China?
0: yeah
3: i think it 's a competition for every individual to collect as many yeah. mobile devices or or tablets as as humanly possible and if there is the possibility to have an upgrade, they will do everything yeah. to get that yeah. upgrade um, I think for many many individuals savings goes into being able to communicate uh, and, and going into buying mobile phones, buying the latest tablets, getting the latest applications and softwares to be able to be connected. I think the mentality especially amongst the young generation is how can I be connected as much as possible to other people, other stores, you know, to the Western world, et cetera?
0: The last numbers I saw uh, show that about 80% of the people accessing the internet are using mobile devices, about 60% desktops, and about 45% laptops. So it it is very much uh, a mobile world, and there are approximately 300 million online shoppers uh, in China. When you think about that, that's the equivalent of every. Person living in the United States almost is doing online shopping in China. Right. In, in fact, uh, China is uh, on its way uh, to go f- uh, to grow from you know a-
1: about 1.35 billion people to over uh, 1.5 to 1.6 billion people by 2050. And we've been talking about that dynamic growth of uh, the consumer marketplace. Uh, Dr. Prime do you want to talk just a little bit about? Uh, the The nature you you talked about purchasing power parity and w- we're finding that uh, the disposable income if you will and the growth of the middle class in china is is so dynamic it it's, it eclipses uh, any other country and uh, with the use of these mobile devices, companies are able to have a reach that so far exceeds anything they could have had just a couple of decades ago, or even in some cases a decade ago. Tell us a little bit about that uh, growth in purchasing power.
2: Well, the incomes um, are really approaching the kind of middle class that, that we see in this country even, so the spending power is very impressive. Um, I do think that consumers are, are much more sophisticated than they used to be, and you know, they're, they're careful about the brands that they choose and are going more towards niche brands. So there's a more sophisticated approach to purchasing um, on the one hand. And on the other hand, that people are, are much more interested compared to the past in purchasing services rather than good so being uh, interested in for example um, finding good education for their children so today um, many families will spend lots and lots of their savings to send their children abroad for education even starting in middle school and high school today and that's something that's quite quite new Um, other services like health care um, and um, business services, things like that that people um, in the past just didn't spend their money on now consumers are interested in and uh, will spend quite a bit of money for the for the right service.
1: And are they learning about healthcare care and about education, about uh, educational institutions around the world? Uh- particularly here in the U.S., um, by going online in many cases?
2: Absolutely. Yep. I mean, they're very good at doing research, very careful research, and at least in education, for example, comparing the rankings of schools, and they're very sophisticated about those choices as well.
1: Yeah, it, it, I think that it's probably a misconception that uh, here's this gigantic market and that you can just uh, market uh, any good or service if you can reach uh, the the Chinese. Uh, but that's not true. They're they're very discerning consumers. Uh, wouldn't you say, Christine?
3: Sure. I mean, uh, like uh, Dr. Prime said, people are definitely researching products. People are researching. Uh, education systems, Um, I have my staff during their lunch hours sitting in their computers in our office researching cosmetics brands. Uh, or fashion brands. Um, this is something, you know, I even have staff now who've hired fashion consultants, something I wouldn't have even imagined would exist in China. But but it's it's a new trend that I'm seeing, especially in the tier one cities where women are becoming more sophisticated and uh, much more westernized and, and want to be western, actually. They want to have that type of mentality.
1: Uh, Dr. Prime, we're going to be uh, taking a break but when we come back uh, you and I had had a discussion we talked about everything from from vitamins and food items and uh, clothes uh, we'll talk a little bit more uh, when we come back about just exactly what people are buying um, you had talked about uh, in fact um, agri-products agri- agri- uh, high-tech energy efficiency mm-hmm. and we'll, we'll go through all of that we're going to delve into all these different aspects of what the Chinese are buying we're going to take a break but we'll be back with our group to talk about marketing to China in just a bit
7: This is Dr. George from Peachtree Ear, Nose, and Throat Center. Do you have problems with sinus pain and pressure? Do other people smell things that you don't? Have you lost the joy in eating because food just doesn't taste like it used to? Is your nose always stuffy no matter what you do? Maybe you have sinus or nasal polyps, a chronic sinus infection, or allergies that are either under-treated or have never been treated at all. At Peachtree ENT Center, we use state-of-the-art equipment so you can see the problem. You'll be a partner in your care and together we will decide the course of treatment because we believe in old-fashioned medicine where we take the time to fix the problem, not just medicate the symptoms. We specialize in minimally invasive balloon dilation sinus surgery, correction of a nasal septal deviation, and turbinate reduction surgery that can be done in the office, getting you back to work the next day. And you can rest assured that all options will be discussed before surgery is recommended because Peachtree ENT Center is where patient care counts. If you'd like to make an appointment, call 404-591-9100 or reach us on the web at www.peachtreeentcenter.com.
5: Watchdog is a term given an organization like the United States Justice Foundation, which since 1979 has been watching out and, when necessary, taking the appropriate action from testifying to litigating to protect our constitutional rights. USJF.
0: Thank you for listening.
1: Welcome back to the Business Hour. I'm Ron Camacho, your host. And we're here with a panel of experts that have experience in helping clients, uh, not just from the U.S., but from uh, Europe and South America and other parts of the world to to do business and to have presence uh, in China, Bill Ramsey with the China Business Consulting group, Christina kohler Kalucha of the Kohler group that is based in Shanghai, even though Christina is based in Luxembourg um, aren 't we global? Uh, George Gregorian of the Nanjing Marketing Group, and Dr. Penelope Prime with the J Mac Robinson College of Business at Georgia State University and the China Research Center. Let's talk about um, what, what the Chinese are buying. We've we've touched on a few things, but what are some of the most prop- uh, uh, popular um, goods and services?
3: Uh, maybe I'll, I'll pitch in on that. Um, I mean, every year... Uh, online platforms create statistics uh, in regards to what people are buying. And it ranges from everything from cosmetic products to textiles, etc. But one um, article that I had read in the Shanghai Daily was statistics that were issued by Alibaba. Um, In Shanghai, for example, uh, in the summer months from June, July, August, the temperatures can go up to 40 degrees Celsius. And Uh, What I thought was really interesting was that uh, on the uh, Taobao and Tmall websites, the products that were being most sold during those three months were mosquito nets, insect repellents, um, fans, ventilators, uh, and online food services where it's home delivery services. And I thought that, you know, okay, these are seasonal products, but I thought it was interesting to see the jump in sales from one month to the next, from May until June, June till July, and then July into August. And as I had mentioned earlier in the program, it all comes down to business planning. You know, when you are looking to sell your products into the Chinese market, know about these seasonal issues um, because they can really boost your sales uh, if you know what what the consumers want to want to buy. Georgia.
1: Are you seeing a lot of uh, American cars on the road and a lot of other um, visible American products uh, in Nanjing?
4: Yes, all the time. I mean, especially... The luxury business, uh, the luxury market, the apparel market, and cars as well. But the cars are made in China, although there are the brands there. So, yes, of course.
1: But uh, American brands, you're seeing Fords, maybe Chevrolets and some Dodges. a lot. A lot of Fords. Um, Dr. Prime, you and I had had a discussion before today's program about the comparative advantage in certain uh, um, market segments, uh, agriculture, uh, the service industries, high tech um, energy and energy efficiency and green technologies uh, as well as health tell us a little bit more about that
2: okay well in terms of um on the consumer side the u.s has a comparative advantage in many of the things that people are interested in like healthcare care products and education and entertainment is also a, a big one in terms of music and movies and online gaming so US companies have a, a lot of options there and the service sectors opened up more um, both on the demand side but because of World Trade Organization um, regulations have opened the Chinese market to foreign companies but then secondarily there is what the government is investing in and what they're interested in is also something to watch carefully and so the government's very interested in making sure there's enough food for, for the Chinese population. So agricultural products across the world are in high demand by Chinese companies. And so that, that's something that we have a comparative advantage in. Also, green technology and energy-related technology and services is something that, that we also are very strong in. So it's, it's, a, it's a very nice dynamic right now, potentially.
1: I I want to turn to um, what were some of the barriers that existed previously. And to some extent, um, online marketing um, has helped to circumvent some of those barriers. But how has the landscape changed from the standpoint of... Areas that range from accounting um, to, to the legal dimension um, as you see it, Christina um, is that environment changing uh, as rapidly in China as uh, consumer behavior?
3: Absolutely. I mean, there are new regulations that are coming out daily circulars that are issued by various governments concerning new policies new regulations um, I think I'm a little bit biased, because I've been in China for 12 years, and I'm very passionate about China. I I don't think I have a bad thing to say about the country. Um, You know, in 2003, there were so many more restrictions. The, The country wasn't really open yet to foreign investors. And From 2003 onwards, there were so many new developments where foreign investors could go and invest freely in a variety of industries and a variety of sectors. So everything has been very positive. Um, The trend amongst foreign investors in China has really been, if there's a new regulation, oh, my goodness – the world is coming to an end, and people really go into exaggeration mode. Uh, They they tend to forget that when there is a new regulation, yes, there's a lot of bureaucracy involved, and maybe that's where the communist side of China comes in. But these changes are for the positive. They shouldn't be seen as something negative. And maybe the negative side is the bureaucracy, the documentation that's required, etc. But what these new regulations are proving to me, at least for someone who's been there 12 years, is things are improving. Things are getting better. That The landscape is getting better for foreign investors.
4: George? Yeah, and I wanted to say, even though online uh, marketing supposed to be easier, less regulations, but it still has a lot of challenges. Let's say hosting your website in China its not so easy to do. you got to find locals and you need a China business license to host it or like doing a search engine marketing in anywhere else in the world. You can do it with your Google account, do your Google AdWords. No, in China, you got to submit documents, get verified, pay at least $900, Uh, minimum ad fee, whereas with uh, Google AdWords, it's just $5 to to get started. So, a lot of things, even in the online business, there are regulations and there are barriers. So,
1: um, walk us through uh, the process. Uh, You have an American company that uh, is hosted by, let's say, GoDaddy, Mm -hmm. and they want to have a presence in China. What are they going to have to do differently? And let's say that they come to the Nanjing uh, group um, do you arrange for them to have a host in China, or h- how do they uh, make that that? that transition and how do they ensure that they're 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 uh, uh, that, that ch- the chinese have access
4: okay so there are a few things that nanjing marketing group doesn't do but uh consult clients or uh, tell them where to go one of them is hosting and icp license things so hosting we don't do it specifically and this market is changing day by day new regulations come and the best solution we found is uh, the CDN networks, which is content delivery networks and through them, you can pretty much clone your website in a, uh, your servers are still located in in the u s but you clone it. Uh, the whole content in a nearby location to China, let's say Hong Kong, and then it loads faster the website. So we usually refer them to a company that does this. Right. You 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 have uh,
1: almost in essence partners hosting uh, sources. Yes, yeah,
4: we, we can uh, provide another like uh, company that can do it. But in terms of other marketing campaign setup, we do everything from all this account setups and campaign planning for any platform uh, advertising platform in China. We do it everything
1: and, and bill you also help uh, companies or you know i i don't know if you do, would direct them uh, to um the nanjing group but you have american companies that have not had a presence uh, in china that want to have a presence how do you how do you what are the 20 questions uh, that are asked uh, to to get to a point where
0: they they can have an online presence well that's uh a really interesting, you know, question. The sixty-four uh, thousand dollars it, it is, and you know, th- it it depends on what you're you're trying to do. And certainly, one of the lower cost ways of doing that is creating a China version and having it hosted in in Hong Kong. As by example, um, it, it eliminates some of the technical problems. I had a client that had built some China pages on his U.S. website. And wanted me to, to do a number of things for him. One of them was to find out where his he appeared in search engines in, in China. And we found out that he was showing up on the first page but when you clicked on the link, it wouldn't open. Yes. That the clients that were finding him were coming to the U.S. Uh, on vacation or traveling here and found his website. They weren't being generated in-country. And, and part of the solution was making some changes and switching to hosting in China. Uh, and, again, it, there, there are advantages and disadvantages of, of doing that, you're, you're sort of outside the wall because uh, things are censored going into to China. Your website may load slower from Hong Kong than in-country. There are times a day with traffic bills, and they monitor the, the speed of the Internet within the country, uh, which, again, favors companies that are housed uh, in, and hosted in country but again as, as uh, George is pointing out to host in country you have to get a business license yes. and, and establish and, there.
3: Entity. Entity. And,
0: and you're creating a legal entity and probably creating a tax nexus in China and <laughs> in, in doing those things and, and or, I
4: I'm <laughs> oh, sorry. So, uh, <laughs> I, I,
3: I think I just I just want to uh, sum this up. I think the biggest question companies have to ask themselves is how much risk and commitment they want to make in the Chinese market if they want to be successful. Exactly. And if you want to be successful, you have to make the full commitment and set up a legal entity um, in order to be ha- to be able to have a Chinese domain name and really take advantage of the digital marketing in order to gain access to those Chinese consumers. Doing things from other locations and other jurisdictions is a great interim period and maybe has least cost, least risk, least commitment, but you won't see a real effect on your business and, and what you want to achieve.
1: Uh, one of the things uh, I, I want to get to in just a, a little bit is, is, is why you shouldn't try to do things on the cheap, um, which is what you're basically saying. Um, George- but i got
4: to say that it's a good testing period. You are not doing any investment. Thank you are testing the market, testing the waters, and then if you want to delve into it, then go for the whole legal thing. And i got to mention another platform that foreign companies without business license cannot have a public account. That's WeChat. And it's like 300, 400 million users in Ch- in China. It's the biggest IM platform. Uh, and without China business license, you cannot have a public account there, and you cannot do advertisements. So another restriction.
1: Well, We're going to be taking a break. When we come back, we're going to be talking about Alibaba and some of the other places uh, that uh, – some of the other organizations that provide uh, access uh, in China and uh, also about, uh, you know, why it's important to plan um, and do research and spend at least a few thousand dollars before you spend tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands to actually have a physical presence in China, which has been a theme and which will be a theme for the, uh, the seminar. We're here with a panel of experts uh, r- related to doing marketing in China, primarily digitally. Uh, we'll be back right after this break.
0: Today's consumers find themselves faced with a greater variety of choices than ever before, both in the food they eat and the information they receive about that food. Feedstuff's FoodLink was created to provide you with a balanced source of information for making decisions about your family's balanced diet. Visit feedstuffsfoodlink.com. To learn about your food directly from the source, the people who work every day to provide it, feedstuffsfoodlink.com, connecting farm to fork.
2: Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's Web Radio.
6: Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. or your loved one, can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com.
0: You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.
1: Welcome back to the Business Hour. We're here with Bill Ramsey of the China Business Consulting Group, Christina kohler Kalucia of the Kohler Group in Shanghai, George Gregorian of the Nanjing Marketing Group, and Dr. Penelope Prime of Georgia State University's China Research Center at the J. Mack Robinson College of Business. And we've been talking about having a presence in China, primarily an online presence, uh, and and the, the the advantages of having an online presence if you do the right things that can give you access to uh, not just tens of millions uh, but hundreds of millions of uh, Chinese consumers and uh, and the reasons why you you, you would want to reach this dynamic marketplace, which is not just growing in population but in disposable income and even in cases where there is isn't increased disposable income it's exposure to a whole new range of products and services that uh, the Chinese uh, are interested in a conversation that I had had with uh, Dr. Prime was about how the government in fact has managed to do some things that accelerate economic growth rather than just putting up barriers there are actually are examples uh, of the government uh, facilitating uh, economic development, and the uh, Shanghai free trade zone would be one example. Dr. Prime, you want to talk about that for a moment?
2: Uh, Sure. Um, I mean, what we're observing in China is one of the most significant transitions from a formerly planned economic system to a market system. And it's it moved very, very far towards that market, but it, it still isn't completely marketized and will not function the same way that, that we're used to in the U.S., for example, completely. But the government's role in moving uh, the economy forward ha- has been multiple, but one major one has been building infrastructure, for example, which has allowed the growth of the Internet through telecom and Uh, the connectivity across the country that just didn't exist, of course, not long ago. But a second way is through experimentation in terms of policy and regulatory environment. So one example most recently is the Shanghai Free Trade Zone, where it is an area where companies can, can go if they set up there. They have much less restriction in terms of, trade options as well as capital investment options and currency um, convertibility. And the idea is that if they can make it work in the Shanghai Free Trade Zone, then slowly it will be implemented across the country, and again, another wave of marketization will occur.
1: And and this is a question to to anyone in the group that wants to respond, but uh, the... The free trade zone in Shanghai and and the the, the marketplace there has has often been portrayed uh, by the media here uh, in the U.S. as is like a modern the modern equivalent of the Wild Wild West. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, your perceptions of that, Christina. Um, uh, we just got the sense. Or I personally have had the sense that there are entrepreneurs in Shanghai, um, American companies, but Chinese as well, that uh, have uh, probably gotten very rich very quick.
3: Uh, sure, by doing things under the table <laughs> and not and not following legal legal regulations. Um, yeah, I think I think a lot of uh, business owners and entrepreneurs. You know, what's their main focus? Their main focus is to make money. Um, I think that's everybody's. Um, Concern and and wish. So, of course, many people that come into China, they'll come in, they'll do a lot of things under the table, not in the most legal uh, situation, Um, and then they'll have to fix things at a later stage, which would probably cost them a lot more to fix versus having done it right right from the beginning. Um, I think what a lot of people tend to forget is, yes, China was cheap. China was a cheap location. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't pay for advice, whether it's from an advisor, a lawyer, an accountant. You would do the same if you would come into the U.S. You would get a series of individuals who would advise you. And I think one of the most... The biggest advantages that U.S. companies have is the fact that there are U.S. companies already based in China who can share their experiences. Uh, As we had discussed earlier, people want to share their stories. Which is a good place to
1: start the research, right? Of course,
3: exactly. Talk to people. Go to the American Chamber of Commerce in Shanghai. Go to the American Chamber of Commerce in Beijing. Network a little bit with members try and gather some data on what were their experiences I do have to say with every single client that I've had everybody has had a different experience and everybody has had a bad experience um, there's always going to be obstacles um, I think one of the biggest things I'm trying to teach my clients is because in the western world you tend to say I want to blame someone Something's bad happened I'm going to blame the first person that I see. That, in my opinion, is a waste of time. You came to China to develop your business. Don't blame. You've had an obstacle. Let's fix it. There's always a solution, and I think that's something people have to remember in China. Well,
1: that's something that people have to remember uh, all, all over the globe. Is uh, I mean, that's a, almost a basic principle of doing business, but of course you're right. There are going to be lots of things that happen
0: in an that environment that's a highly charged environment like that. Yeah. Bill, did you want to add to that? Yes, uh, but part of the reason I... Uh, I'm doing the, the seminar is, I, I view it as an educational seminar where we brought some voices to Atlanta that haven't necessarily been heard of people working on the ground in China, working with clients and being able to give a perspective from what's going on in the ground. And what we haven't talked about, what we've talked about, opportunity, as a as a country... We are woefully short in the area of exporting. Less than one percent of U.S. companies export at all, and over half only export to one country. But what's interesting about that, and in, in some of the things of, you know, it's too difficult. It's you know, it's too risky. There, there are solutions to that, and some of the people I've brought here are doing that. Uh, because uh, there are ways to, to deal with those things it's not impossible but you need to have the right people uh, to work
1: with well i in fact uh, uh, Christina you had mentioned uh, uh, in a conversation before the program that, that there is in fact uh, the term for uh, knowing the right people
3: it's Guangxi yeah it's developing your network developing your relationships and um, people like to share their experiences. I love to share my experience. Even Kohler Group itself, you know, we started in 2003. I've had my fair share of bad experiences personally with staff, with clients, with situations, with governments. Um, And I'm happy to share these experiences so people can learn from them, um, just as I have learned over the years from them.
1: There there are organizations there like Alibaba that uh, really have changed the landscape. Uh, George, tell us a little bit about Alibaba and any other Uh, group that you want to mention.
4: Well, Alibaba was revolutionary. They not only changed the e-commerce, the whole industry, but the sub-industries also that serve this e-commerce. Payment solutions, logistics, uh, inbound logistics totally changed. So and Alibaba has grown just big and huge. They serve the whole market. They also have their rivals. They're still dominant, but the rivals are taking some other parts of the market that were unseen by Alibaba, say so like groceries. There is E-Houdian, which does better than it, or like Apparel electronics suning is doing it better but still alibaba group is consistent
1: you know the uh, the the seminar and uh, today's program is is not uh, it, we haven't focused on on logistics which is a, you know a, 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 an important component of the full spectrum of the supply chain and of getting goods and services uh, actually on the ground in china but uh, the, the the digital marketplace has, has changed things so much. In fact, um, Dr. Prime, you gave a, a very positive example of being uh, in China when you ordered something online, then you got a call. Would you tell us about that uh, that experience?
2: Yeah, well, Being a, an academic, whenever I go to China, I, I buy books. And it's always uh, set aside a couple days to go to the various bookstores and government agencies that publish And so this last time I was uh, looking for a particular book, and a friend said, oh, let me just, I'll find it for you online. And she did, and she ordered it for me. And I said, but I can't come and and pick it up. She goes, no problem. I'll have it sent to your hotel. So the next day I get a phone call. The delivery boy on his scooter, he said, oh, I'm near your hotel. Um, I'll come and drop it off. And I said, well, I'm not at the hotel right now. And he said, where are you? And I said, at the university a couple blocks away. And he said, okay, I'll be right there. And he called and he said, I'm downstairs. And I went down and got the book. It was pretty amazing.
1: Well, I, I I had repeated that story to to this group earlier, and they reminded me that that isn't always the case, that, you know, that you have uh, uh, some of the same kinds of problems we have here in this country when a package doesn't quite uh, get to its destination on time. But, I mean, it would be an example of how there, uh, as well as here in other parts of the world, that you integrate a digital technology that starts online and ends up with rapid. Uh, distribution and in China um, and I, I said this to you I thought you know there are armies of people that may help to facilitate that as well um, and the cost of labor is still a little bit lower so there there may be many more um, bicycle and, and motor scooter uh, delivery people and not just drivers in big trucks um, the, um, the the other factor uh, that uh, sometimes is forgotten is that America has a uh, a pretty decent reputation, uh, as do some European countries. Uh, in China, uh, we talked about uh, Chinese being discerning consumers, and I just thought I would add that something that I got from all of you was that um, trust is a major factor. That that the Chinese are being discerning consumers, uh, and that they're doing their homework and and uh, researching products and services, and that the U.S. still enjoys uh, a, f- a fairly good degree of trust um, and. Uh, that it's something to be leveraged and that uh, American companies uh, need to be reminded um, that uh, that they can leverage that trust.
3: I think also another important word to use is respect. Um, you know, you're going into China, you're trying to develop your business there, uh, you're dealing with the Chinese, respect them. And, you know, they should be on the same level as you. Um, uh, that will develop trust, and that will develop loyalty.
1: Again, um, Christina, I, I, I agree with you, and I think that that's a great principle for doing business in general. You know, uh, we're, we're talking about the Chinese marketplace, but in general, uh, respecting consumers, wherever they are, uh, goes a very, very long way. And
3: respecting the culture.
1: And respecting the culture uh, of wherever you're doing business. I want to thank uh, Bill Ramsey, uh, Christina Kola-Kalucha, George Gregorian, and Dr. Penelope Prime for being my guest today. I hope we shed a little bit light on doing business in China and having a digital presence in China, Uh, and if you're lucky enough to be at the seminar uh, as this broadcast is being broadcast, uh, you're probably uh, learning lots more, and perhaps um, the China Business Consulting Group will have uh, similar uh, seminars in the future. You've been listening to the Business Hour here at America's Web Radio. We're on from 10 to 11 a.m. on
0: Fridays. Have a great weekend. We'll see you on the radio next week. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you.